Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beer Sportscast. I'm Perry Morgenos alongside my co-host, James Farley, and we have a great one planned for you guys today, so let's get to it. James, take it away. Thanks, Perry. Today we are going to be running down all of the incredible Final Four matchups that will be coming our way this Saturday. Some big-time matchups, and we're going to jump right into things right now with the first matchup that we're going to be talking about between the number one seed Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Cinderella number 11 seed UCLA Bruins. From first four to final four, the UCLA Bruins have done and have had some great upsets along the way, which we'll touch base on. But we are going to start into um, some really big discussions here right now to get us started. So first and foremost, Perry, I mean, it's pretty clear that UCLA has won some games in this tournament in so many different ways. They've been able to knock off Alabama and Michigan, and they were able to do this by holding the number one seed in Michigan Wolverines to 49 points in the Elite Eight. And then they, on the other side, so they had a great defensive game there, and then they scored 88 points to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide, a great number two seed. So they beat Michigan with defense, and then they beat Alabama in a gutsy overtime victory with offense. So they can win games in so many ways for an 11 seed, and I think that's something important that we have to talk about here, Perry, is is there a way that UCLA can keep this pace and keep up with the Bulldogs' offense with Gonzaga? I mean, they've still been able to win so many games, but will that fall short for them against Gonzaga? Or is there any way that UCLA is going to be able to keep up with the strong offense of Gonzaga with the likes of Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmey, Joel Ayayi, and Andrew Nemhard? Yeah, James, I definitely think that they will be able to keep pace um, with this great Bulldogs offense. I mean, they're led by their star backcourt of Jaime Jaquez Jr., who's averaging 14.2 points per game, and then Johnny Juzang, who's averaging 22 points per game. Um, those are both tournament numbers, so they are both having great tourneys and have been a great reason of why this team has gone that far as you said there um briefly they beat eight they scored 88 points to beat alabama alabama was a top three defensive team which is one of the reasons i had them winning at all but to score 88 points against a top three defensive team is very very impressive and just really a testament to you know the star backcourt of juzang and haquez because they've scored 86 points against Michigan State, 73 against BYU. Abilene Christian, they scored 67. Bama's, they scored 88. And then Michigan, they scored 51. But another big reason is their defense. If they can just slow down Gonzaga to maybe hovering around that 75-80 point mark, I think that this definitely gives UCLA a chance to win this game. Interesting take, Perry, because... On the year, UCLA is averaging 71.1 a game and giving up 67.5, which is great. So if in any way um, they're going to be able to hold Gonzaga to a number less than what Gonzaga usually averages, I mean, they usually average an incredible 92.1 points per game, best offense in the NCAA. But that is going to be a very big factor in this game to see if UCLA in any way, shape, or form is going to be able to hold Gonzaga and um, with UCLA they've had with these two guys and Jamie Jacquez Jr. and Johnny Juzang these two guys have been able to really come up really clutch for this team in so many ways and I think that if they are able to continue it against Gonzaga there's a chance they could win this game I mean Jamie Jacquez Jr. had 27 points against Michigan State in the first four and Johnny Juzang added 23 so they combined for 50 points in that game so all over the place, Juzang came up super clutch there against Michigan with 28 points. So 
these two guys are the leaders of this team and are going to be a major factor on whether or not UCLA is going to be to going to be able to advance to the national title game. Perry, what's another major storyline that we're going to want to discuss here? Yeah, James. So obviously Gonzaga is having a super super great year. Um, they're sitting at thirty and zero this season. Um, but James, what makes this team just so dominant and so good? Perry, it's their offense. I mean, straightforward, just like that. Their offense is out of this world incredible. As I just said, they have the best offense in all of NCAA men's basketball. They're averaging 92.1 points per game, which is just absolutely insane. They're led by Corey Kisper, who's averaging 17.3 points per game. Jalen Suggs, 12.3 a game, but he does so much more for this team with rebounds and assists. He had and just recently in their victory over USC in the Elite Eight, he had 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists which is just do it all, two assists away from a triple-double performance in 35 minutes of play. But he is just really, really an incredible player. So that is a major factor. They're also led by Drew Timme, who's been huge this tournament, averaging 21.3 points per game in the big dance, as well as Joel Yagi with 12.3 a game and Andrew Nemhard at 8.8 points per game. So these five starters have really come up clutch for this team. And it's just what makes this team such a strong, offensive-minded, and incredible team, which is, which is why they're sitting at 30. No, that was, that's what makes them so dominant, Perry, to answer your question. And what makes them the major factor of this offense is that big three, as I mentioned, with Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, and Drew Timme. They are just out of this world incredible. I mean, they're all all um and college basketball all Americans this season. Corey Kispert was a first team all American um, amongst those three. So these three guys are just leading this Gonzaga Bulldogs team and are looking really, really strong and they are dominating the entire tournament field thus far. All right, but Perry, another question that I have for you that I think is going to be a kind of like an interesting take in this game is, Perry, what does UCLA have that Gonzaga does not have that could give the Bruins an edge in this game? Yeah, James, there's definitely a couple things that the Bruins have that um, the Gonzaga Bulldogs don't. One of them is the the pressure level is so much lower for UCLA than it is for Gonzaga. Gonzaga's trying to become the first undefeated team in 45 years since the tournament expanded to 68 teams there has never been a team that has gone undefeated the entire way through um the 2015 Kentucky team came close but that's one of the benefits UCLA has played a better conference the Pac-12 Pac-12 also had a great tourney Oregon State um USC both made it to the Elite 8 in addition to UCLA but they've also played the tougher matchups in the tourney. They've played the two-seed Alabama, the Sweet 16, and then they had you come right back and play the one-seed Michigan Wolverines in the Elite Eight. So just really, those are the three things that I look at. You know, just the strength of schedule and just the pressure level and the history that Gonzaga is trying to achieve. Even though it hasn't affected their play so far, it might affect their play um, in the Final Four when the lights get a little bit brighter, when the stage is a little bigger. But James... You know, another question that we have to bring up here is if this game is close late, if Gonzaga doesn't run away with it early, does this help the UCLA Bruins or does it hurt them? As a matter of fact, Perry, I think that UCLA would be in a great situation here and would have the advantage in this situation just because the Gonzaga Bulldogs starters play heavy, heavy minutes. In their Elite Eight game over USC in which they came out on top 85-66, to 66, Corey Kispert, their best player, along with Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmey, they each 
um, played over 31 minutes. Kispert had 37 minutes. Tim May had 31, and um, Jalen Suggs had 35. Andrew Nemhard, one of their guards, who was implanted into the starting lineup on February 8th for the first time this year, and then or was like became a permanent starter, and then has just taken off for this team. Since then, he played 36 minutes along with Joel Yai at 29 minutes. So each of these guys, aside from Joel Yai who, who had 29 minutes, each of them play over 30 minutes a game, which is a major factor. And I think that if they, if UCLA is in the game late, and Gonzaga, each of these guys with five stars are going to be tired, and if they could be, if they are having to catch their breath back on defense and using defense as a breather, or could be just not have the same energy in life that UCLA has down the stretch thinking like we're a number 11 seed that could make the and the championship and that's another thing you mentioned Perry with not having as much stress which is going to play a factor but I think that in a close game and that UCLA would it would definitely help them um, down the stretch especially with Gonzaga's starters playing so very many minutes. Perry I have another question for you as a matter of fact what coach has done a better job? It's a battle of the marks here in the Final Four between Mark Cronin of UCLA and Mark Few of Gonzaga. Of these two guys, Perry, who has done the better job with this program this year? So I'm going to go with Mark number one. I'm going to go with Mark Cronin of UCLA. Um, obviously, UCLA has made a Cinderella run this turn. He has an 11 seed. And to do that, you don't just have to have good leadership on the court. You have to have good leadership off the court. Um, the game plans that Cronin has come up with in these tourneys have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, he limited Hunter Dickinson and Franz Wagner in their last game against Michigan. And even, you got to look at the history. UCLA is the first team to, is the second team, excuse me, to come from the first four to the final four. Um, obviously, the other one is VCU in 2011. They lo- lost to an ACA Butler team in the final four. But this is a run no one expected. They came into the tourney losing four straight games, and they were even down by 13 at half in their first four game against Michigan State. So really just an incredible achievement for Mark Cronin to you know get his team ready, get his team up after going down 13 in that first half to make a deep, deep run in this NCAA tournament, being great, high-caliber teams along the way. James, are you on the same page as me here, or are you going with Mark number two? I'm going with Mark number two, Perry. I'm taking Mark Few in this situation. I mean, Mark Few has done an incredible job with this Gonzaga Bulldogs program. Excuse me, he's led his team to having a chance to become the first team to go undefeated for an entire season. They're sitting at 30-0 right now. And could no team has ever done it going the length of the way all the way throughout. But I think that it's going to be interesting to see if this Gonzaga Bulldogs team is going to be able to do so. And um, another factor that Mark, what makes Mark Few such a great coach, is that he knows when to rely on his bit with each individual of the member of the, his big three and Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, and Drew Timmy the most. I mean, this tournament specifically, he has gone to Drew Timmy. Uh, in a major way, he Drew Timmy's averaging over 21 points per game in the tournament, so he has leaned on Timmy for some major play. But 
He also knows when to go to Jalen Suggs the most, or Corey Kispert the most, or even Joel Yayi or Andrew Nemhard the most. He knows against USC, he had Andrew Nemhard play 36 minutes. That's a lot, a lot of playing time, only four minutes of rest. So he knows when to go to each of those, especially those members of the first big three. He knows when to go to those guys specifically, and he knows when to rely on them the most. So that's what makes him a great coach, knowing when to understand his players. And a part of that Andrew Nemhard factor that I was talking about was initially Anton West, Anton Watson was a start um, in the starting lineup for this Gonzaga Bulldogs team up until February 8th. However, Andrew Nemhard, he was coming off the bench up until that point, and then he ended up going into the starting lineup, and it has paid off greatly. It was a great choice by Mark Few to do so, and he is averaging, he ended up on the regular season averaging 9.1 points, 4.3 assists, 2.4 rebounds, and 1.1 steals a game. So that's another major factor that makes Mark Few such a great coach and who I think is, that's why I think Mark Few has done a better job than Mark Cronin in this um, and wins this coaching battle. Yeah, James, absolutely. Um, Both great coaches in their own right. But James, now we're looking on the court. You know, we've gone to the bow off the floor, the head coaching bow. But what player will play the biggest factor in this game? Fair. I think that's got to be Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga. This guy is incredible as a freshman. He plays his role so well. He's just a freshman, but he looks like he's a veteran out there making great decisions. He knows when to he knows when to take the shot himself. He knows when to pass the ball. He knows when to take it back out. He knows exactly what to do. And he just he plays with such confidence and such knowledge. It's really it's telling what you and you're being able to rely on this guy to handle the ball for you down the stretch and set up passes for your players. It's really, it's got to be a great feeling for Mark Few to have this guy out on the floor for him. And I think that he's going to be the biggest factor in this game. He has a great ability to pass. He can shoot. It's just unmatched on the court. And every championship team needs a good needs good guard play. And they have this with Jalen Suggs. Perry, who do you think is going to have the, going to be the biggest factor in this game between UCLA and Gonzaga? Yeah, James. So I'm actually going to the other side of the floor. I think it's going to be um, Johnny Juzon, I think that um, he's going to make or break this UCLA Bruins team in this game. If he plays phenomenally like he did against Michigan, I mean, he single-handedly kept this team afloat in the first half. If he does that against Gonzaga, this UCLA team has a chance. But if he doesn't, this UCLA Bruins team could get killed in this battle against Gonzaga. I mean, you look at Jaime Jaquez, he's a great player in his own right, but really it's all about Juzang averaging almost 22 points this tournament. So he is going to be the difference in this game, and I actually think that he's going to play very, very well in this game, which is why I actually have the UCLA Bruins winning this game. I think that this is going to be the biggest upset in arguably March Madness history with the 11 seed UCLA Bruins knocking off the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs to move to the national championship game. James, are you jumping on the UCLA bandwagon or are you going to stay with the Gonzaga Bulldogs? Man, Perry, I can't believe you're jumping on that UCLA bandwagon rooting for that team and picking them to win this game. I think that's going out on a major limb and I think that a ton of people are going to be rooting for UCLA including myself, but at the end of the day, I think Gonzaga is going to win it. Their offense is just going to be too powerful. UCLA is not going to be a matchup. Despite having Johnny Juzang and Jamie Jaquez Jr., I don't think they're going to be able to match up against Gonzaga, and Mark Few and his Bulldogs are going to be moving on to the national championship, in my opinion. 
All right, we're going on to the next game, the other half of these final four matchups between the number one seeded Baylor Bears and the number two seeded Houston Cougars. Both teams are incredible on defense, and they are playing some really strong offense as well in this tournament. And these are two really well-rounded programs, and it's going to be a phenomenal game. So, Perry, what are some of the first discussion points that we're going to have to be discussing? I mean, this game is going to be a really, really solid game. I mean, James, this is a really the truest battle of offense versus defense I think we're going to see and have seen in the tourney all season long. I mean, Baylor has such a great offense led behind Davian Mitchell, but the Houston has the third-ranked defense this year. Um, Loyal Chicago had the number-one-ranked defense. But, you know, we've been saying it all tourney long. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. Do you see that trend holding true in this game, or do you think that you know, offense is going to win this game and then eventually win the championship. That's an interesting question here, Perry, because I think that me, so in my opinion, I think that the Baylor Bears are going to actually, in the end, going to come out on top in this, in the entire tournament and win the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship and the whole March Madness tournament. And I think that I picked them because of this phrase, as a matter of fact, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Because of Baylor's incredible defense, they have two Naismith Defensive Players of the Year in nom nominees in Davion Mitchell and Mark Vidal. So I think that this phrase actually is what made me pick Baylor because they have such a strong defense to go along with their offense with at sixth in the country with averaging 83 points per game. So they're such a balanced team. And while Houston is the def the defense team in um with this phrase, having the offense wins games with defense wins championships, because Houston has um statistically wise um the second best defense in the country, averaging eight over eight steals a game. But I think that um I think that Baylor is just as it's just so strong on the defensive end as well. So I think that Houston has a little bit of an edge on the defensive end, but Baylor is above and beyond on offense, which is why I do not think that this trend is going to hold true in this game. Perry, what do you think before we move on? Yeah, James, um, I think that I'm going the other way. I think that Houston's defense is just super, super good. Um, I believe that it's harder to make a shot than defend a shot in the game of basketball as a whole. So that's why I think Houston will come out with this game. I mean, they have the third best defense in the country. They're over eight steals per game. So Baylor's going to have to take care of the basketball and they're going to have to make shots against this great defense. I don't see it happening. Interesting take there, Perry. And we're kind of sticking on the same discussion with the offense and defense. Who would you rather have, Perry, Houston's defense or Baylor's offense? James, I'd rather have Houston's defense, and for me, it's not really that close. I mean, they've averaged 57.5 points per game against um, in the regular season, but just look who they've beaten. They've beaten Cleveland State 56 points allowed, Rutgers 60 points allowed, Syracuse with Buddy Boheim only 46 points allowed, and then Oregon State only 61 points allowed. They shut down Ethan Thompson of Oregon State. I believe he went 3-for-8 all game. So he did not have a good game, and Houston just completely shut him down. So the ability to shut down great players makes this Houston defense so special. James, are you sticking with the defense, or are you going back with the run-and-gun offense? I'm taking the offense in this situation, Perry. I think that Baylor is just so good offensively. They're led by Jared Butler, a National Player of the Year candidate, who's averaging 13 points per game in the tournament. Davion Mitchell at 13.5 points per game in the tournament. 
Masio Tigo has stepped up in a big way at 14.5 points in the tournament so far um, per game. And Adam Flagler off the bench with 11 points per game. So this team is really, really strong. Their guard play is coming through for them. And this is exactly what a championship-worthy team needs. And I think that this team is more than championship-worthy. They're going to end up coming out on top. All right, Perry, moving on. What is another question? What is another topic that we're going to have to discuss with this one versus two matchup in the final four? Yeah, James. So when we did our big bracket breakdown at the beginning of the year for the uh, for the Midwest region, Houston wasn't a team either of us could even see in the final four, especially out of the so-called death region in the Midwest. With you also had Illinois, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Loyola, Chicago. But how has how has this Houston Cougars team been able to do this? That's it's just because of their defense and offensive rebounding, Perry. And I think that. Their offense is really strong. They do take a lot of threes, but I think that what makes this team really special is their defense and offensive rebounding. They're the third best offensive rebounding team in the country with 14.5 per game with 449 on the entire year. I mean, 14.5 offensive rebounds in a game. I mean, that's just unheard of. That's so good getting all of these second, third, and even from time to time, fourth chances on possessions to make a shot. That's just being able to rely on that on a daily basis or on a gamely basis is really, really, really big. And I think that that's just a major factor as to what makes this team so very good. James, I agree with you 100%. Um, I also think we have to bring up Quentin Grimes. Um, 18 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 1.9 assists per game this season. Um, he's a player that has really played himself into the tourney player of the year. He's been a great leader for this Cougars team and has been, you know, the epitome of that defense, averaging 0.9 steals per game this season. So I definitely think that that's another reason why they are in the Final Four. Yeah, and another reason, Perry, as a matter of fact, is I just want to quickly touch base on this, is their three-point shooting. They're averaging 804 total threes on the year, which is best for sixth in the country, and that's just under 26 threes attempted in a game. They're shooting 35% from deep, and that is just, I mean, they shoot so many threes, and being able to hit 35% of those so many threes is just really crazy, and that makes this team really solid as well. And Perry, I have another thing for you. This Baylor team has looked like the Baylor team before their COVID pause in mid-February. Is this the only team that even has a fighting chance against Gonzaga? James, absolutely not. I have the UCLA Bruins being Gonzaga. I think that although Baylor's probably the team best designed to beat this Gonzaga Bulldogs team, I think that this um, Houston team can beat Gonzaga. I think that this Baylor team can beat Gonzaga. Do I think that Baylor is the most likely option? Yes, but I would give any one of these last three teams um, a chance in winning and beating this Gonzaga Bulldogs team. Interesting there, Perry, and I think that I would have to disagree with you on that matter, but we will have to see what ends up happening on Saturday. So, and another discussion point that is really important that we have to mention is Houston has not played a seed higher than double digits in this tournament. And I think that's a major concern. As you said, they played um, they played the 15th seed in the first round. And then since then, they have played teams such as Oklahoma State and um, Oklahoma State, or excuse me, Oregon State, I'm sorry, and Rutgers. So this team has um, had a rather easy road. They did, they ended up playing Cleveland State, their 15th seed, and they played... Um, 
Yeah, then they ended up playing Rutgers in the second round, Syracuse in the Sweet 16, and Oregon State in the Elite Eight. So they've had a, one of the easier roads of the um, in the tournament, and they have the easiest road of the teams that are remaining in this tournament. And Perry, how much of a factor do you think this is going to end up playing at the end of the day? James, I think this could play a massive factor. I think this is a really big problem that cannot be understated. Um, I think that if we were talking about team coming from you know the Big 12 or the Big 10 that hasn't played great teams such as maybe a Baylor or Michigan, but this is a Houston team. They play in the weaker conference in the um, American Athletic Conference. There were only two other teams with double-digit conference wins, Wichita State, which had 11, and Memphis had 11 as well. Um, as you said, they played 15 Cleveland State, 10 Rutgers, 11 Syracuse, 12 Oregon State. Really, the entire West Midwest region was the top guns in the Midwest region were knocked out by the lower seas, and then they just beat those lower seas. So I think that this is a really, really something that can't be understated, and something that really needs to be looked at hard when you know discussing the picks for this game. Definitely, Perry, and you just brought up the picks of this game. Who are Perry? As a matter of fact, who are your picks in this game? this Final Four matchup with a spot on the line to reach the national championship. So, James, I know that I just went on this big spiel about, you know, you have to play great teams. Houston's only played double-digit seeds, but at the end of the day, you can only play who's on your schedule, and Houston had to take care of business against these double-digit seeds, and I think that this defense is going to give Baylor fits all night on Saturday, and I actually have the Houston Cougars Pulling off the upset against Baylor, so I'm going with two upsets in the Final Four. I think that Houston has taken care of business against the lower seeds, so they know how to win the games that they're supposed to win. And then they are good enough to compete with the best of the best. Quentin Grimes and Davion Mitchell is going to be a very, very fun matchup to watch. But I think that Houston's defense will eventually carry over to a national championship game appearance for the Houston Cougars. No way, Perry. I'm sorry. I get that you're thinking that this defense is going to be able to pull it out for Houston, but their run has got to end here. I think that at the end of the day, the Gonzaga and Baylor, the coveted matchup that we want to see that was postponed due to COVID early in the year, is going to end up happening. Baylor's going to come out on top in this one, Perry. And it's just because they're so strong on offense and defense, and this team is just so strong altogether. They have great leaders all across the board, and they can get the job done. They're led by Jared Butler, and they have Davion Mitchell and Missy Teague in their guard play. Those are their big three. And then they um, we talked to Gonzaga's big three, but this team has a great big three as well. They have Mark Vital down low, a beast on the defensive end, an emotional leader for this team, as well as guys like Flo Thamba and Adam Flagler, Matthew Meyer and Jordan Chachua. This team is really, really strong. They can do everything that you need in a basketball team and more, and this team is going to end up winning this game over the Houston Cougars and having a date in the national championship against fellow number one seed, Gonzaga Bulldogs. James, it will definitely be interesting how both games play out on Friday. But, you know, we're going to switch gears over to the women's Final Four. Um, obviously, there's been more upsets than usual in this year's tournament. But they are at the Final Four. Um, the first matchup is the UConn Huskies versus the Arizona Wildcats. James, who do you have winning this game? Perry, just like it happens so often with the UConn Huskies, they, this team is always so good. They have great recruiting. They're great every single year, and they are great again this year, and I see them winning this game over Arizona. 
They're led by Paige Beckers, an incredible freshman, averaging 20.1 points per game, as well as Kristen Williams and Avina Westbrook. This UConn team is phenomenal and is my pick to move on to the national championship. James, I'm with the Huskies as well. I think that they will win it all, and I think they will take care of business against the number three seeded uh, Arizona Wildcats. James, moving on to the next Final Four game here in the women's Final Four, you've got the Stanford Cardinal versus another one seed, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Who are you going with here? I'm taking the South Carolina Gamecocks as, Gamecocks as a matter of fact. Perry, I know that Stanford has been the top team all year long in women's college basketball, but this South Carolina team, they're always up there. They are always one of the top teams in the nation, and I think that they are going to end up playing UConn in the national championship team. This team is well-rounded, and I think that they have what it takes to knock off Stanford and pull off. Um, I feel like a lot of people are thinking Stanford's going to win this game. I know that you're high on Stanford, but I think that at the end of the day, South Carolina is going to pull it out and match up against UConn in the national championship. James, I have Stanford here. I think that they're really, you know, such a great team. They've been either one or two in the AP poll all season long, and I see that their run continuing in San Antonio all the way to the national championship game. Well, that will do it today for us, guys. Um, as always, you can go on our website from ballparks to buzzerbeers.com. You can email us there. Our social medias are there, Instagram, Twitter. Um, email us, please, if you have any segment ideas. If you want to give feedback, um, we would love to hear from you guys. But we hope that you enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun covering March Madness this year. Um, but that will do it for us today. I'm Perry Morgino signing out alongside my co-host James Farley with the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beers Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.